Welcome to Solve This Murder. I'm your detective, Bill. And I'm your crime scene criminal, witnesses, and deus ex machina, Danny. Now, our story jumps two months in the future. Apparently, why does the book jump two months into the future at this point, Danny? <laughs> uh, well, uh, the first sentence of the next chapter is, the trial of John Cavendish for the murder of his stepmother took place two months later. Now, I have been very blasé about the timeline so far. I hope people I haven't noticed too much. I do not want to jump two months into the future. I would rather let's just go into you trying to solve things and figure things out. Okay. So this is what a denouement to myself while he's in prison? I mean, not exactly. Like, we I can, can just turn have, up to a trial two hours later. policeman discussion. Just going, man, who saw that coming? Let's have a bit of a chat. We're not, we're not over yet, because no, we still if, don't understand a lot. And I'm imagining if there's a trial, he didn't do it. But maybe he did. Okay, let's think this through. You know, do I need any notes? I don't need my notebook anymore. I mean, I don't need my pencil. I'll just look at my old notes. I'm not making any new ones. So, the question is... Well, obviously, one of the questions is, did John do it? Seems like the evidence says, yeah, probs. But did he do it? And if so, why? It seems like it stems from this argument that she had with John Cavendish. I'm assuming she had the argument with John. You know what? We can have this in the prison. Let's make us all in the interrogation room with John. Because... Not, not at the trial? Oh, I can't be bothered making it at a trial. Like, but, again. Just, but just try this on for size. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. <laughs> yeah, don't you like that? Don't you like the way that sounds? Sure. <laughs> Do whatever you want. I don't care. Just get the thing done. Just whenever I'm going, whenever I say something that you think might be wrong, you, as the we're in a white some room, kind of attorney, we are talking heads. You say objection, and I'll be like, "What? On what grounds?" Okay. It'll be a whole big thing. All right. So obviously, John had the fake glasses and the medicine container in his room. Do we think that had the narcotics in it? Is that the idea, or the or the strychnine? Strychnine. Strychnine. He had the poison, he had the glasses. Glasses implying that, yes, alongside the beard that was upstairs, he had dressed up like Alfred, gone to purchase the strychnine, come back and used it to poison a woman, his stepmother. Poison her dead. Evidence in favour of this being, obviously, the bits of costume lying around. True. Handwriting analysis shows that the signature that said Alfred Inglethorpe at the chemist didn't look anything like Alfred's. It does, people testify, look... A little bit like it could have been John trying to disguise his. Of course, some evidence that goes slightly against this. Well, not necessarily. We found that beard package that was addressed, but it wasn't clear whether it was Lawrence's or John's. Definitely, look, It definitely wasn't a J listed on that. It looked like an L. Mm. However, household evidence shows that if a package arrives, it can just be left somewhere until someone sees fit to grab it. And Lawrence has actually been out of town a couple of times over the last few months before things happened, so it's entirely possible that a package was addressed to him that he never saw. All right. That all goes towards John being Alfred. Of course, other evidence against him is this argument. We overheard that Mrs. Inglethorpe had an argument with someone, declaring they were someone who had deceived her, had gone against her, and that she was going to expose them, no matter the scandal against husband and wife. She didn't imply that she was the wife in that situation. So John is married to Mary, but also Mary has been going out with Bowerstein. He's like, don't hang out with Bowerstein. Do you love this man? Maybe he's worried that Mary, maybe there's something going on with their marriage. Maybe the scandal is within the John and Mary marriage as opposed to any other marriage. Was, no, it would be wild if she was going to 
if it's the scandal she was going to expose was that Mary was dating a spy. That'd be a bit insane. That'd be a You're bit right. That'd much. be a little bit wild. Like you, you don't go and yell at your son because your wife is cheating on you. That's going to ruin our family yes. name. Though, doesn't Mary say that John also has some strange friends? She does. Is she implying female friends? I think she may he have is been. having an affair with. So who is John having an affair with? Evie? How old's Evie? How many affairs no does she have? <laughs> Would you like to ask John any of this? Yeah. Apparently he's on the stand. Hey, John, you're on the stand. I ask you, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. Um, were you having a relationship outside of your marriage? Well, that's an indelicate way of putting it. I you hope my been, wife's not in this room. You are under oath. See, see, he's under oath now. He has to tell the truth. I may have made some mistakes in that department. Yes. With anyone I know? Evie? Dorcas? Annie? Am I getting warmer? I don't think you're getting warmer. Cynthia? No. None of those. Alfred? No. The Rakes Farm wife? Yes. Oh, the hot wife! It was the hot wife! Okay, here we go. He also says... Man, and sorry, I didn't mean to deceive anyone about this whole fight thing. Dorcas came around and said that Mrs. Inglethorpe had had a fight with Alfred, and I took her at her word. I just thought she'd had a lot of fights that day. No, that fight was with you. So after the fight, Mrs. Inglethorpe goes to write John out of the will. Hmm. But the step which was irrelevant. Yeah, it seems like it was more for show than anything else. To say, I'm going to do this, you ingrate. So now, of course, we're faced with the motive being not so much about the inheritance, which it may well be. He gets the home after she dies. There is inheritance there. The trusts are released or whatever weird stuff. However going it all works. I don't know. There's monetary things. But he has the new additional motive of stopping her from revealing a scandal. Now, it seems that Mary may have known about this. Seems like she may have had some suspicions. Hmm. So he didn't want this scandal going out, going public. And look, I know it's a bad thing to, to do, but why is Mrs. Inglethorpe so outraged by this? Just because she has a moral opposition to men cheating on their wives? Quite possibly. That's fair. Yeah, she All just right. got very stern, but she was very certain about this. So she writes you out of the will, writes a new will unnecessarily, leaving everything to her husband, and puts it in the despatch case. So the question is, sure, I can understand why John Cavendish, maybe also not aware of the rules of how this all works, decides to burn said will. What was John's job? John's a lawyer. This so he would like be aware. Something Why that... would he burn a will? He wouldn't burn the will because he understands it's irrelevant. It's already been made that way. If anything, he would want to write a new will that says, I leave everything to John. Did he do that? I mean, you haven't found any will that looks like that. But I did see that something was taken out of the dispatch case. That's true. The dispatch case was broken What into. was missing from the desk? When, when people mm. arrested John and, and raided and ransacked, did we mm-hmm. find anything that would have looked like it was pillaged from the dispatch case? No, I assume they raided his room completely at that point. There was nothing else in there. Any outgoing mail? Nothing of importance. So what was taken from the dispatch case? There's no way for me to know unless we can find it. So until then, that could be the final key that we need. Still, one more thing that needs to be found. We're going to find it this episode, everybody. Don't worry. So, John then needs to get a handle on poison, which he's gotten, dressed up as Alfred and gone to get some poison. You ask him about that, and he's his a... response is, I absolutely did not do that. Okay, this is going to sound a little bit weird as my alibi. But you were already dressed up as Alfred hanging out at the Rakes Farm? Okay, not that weird. Okay, cool. 
I was sent an anonymous note, a blackmail note on Monday evening, telling me to go to some place three hours away and meet the person there or they'd expose all of my secret affairs. So that's where I was at the time that this fake Inglethorpe faked the fake fake. Oh my God, this is too many layers. I I kept the note and everything. Oh, show me the note, show me the note, show me the note. Shows you the note. Suspiciously similar handwriting to the quote-unquote Alfred Inglethorpe signature. So Lawrence gave you this note and he was dressed up as Alfred with the beard. Where'd the glasses come from? He planted them on you? Why would he plant the beard somewhere and the glasses somewhere else? Good question. It's too hot for this. (laughs) You know what? Let's say Jap can mention this one. Speaking of how hot it is... Those last few things, the strychnine vial and the glasses, where were they found again? In a winter clothing drawer. The winter undergarments drawer. It's rather hot right now. It's the peak of summer. Yes. Well, it just seems likely that anyone could have put them there and John wouldn't have stumbled upon them. That is true. They could have been there for a hundred years. So someone planted them there. Odd that you wouldn't plant it with the beard, but that's whatever. So John did have the argument. But he didn't pick up the strychnine. Somebody else picked up the strychnine, and whoever it was also blackmailed John to get him out of the way. Or to give him an alibi? You say Not you, much of an alibi. You say you went to go see someone. Mm-hmm. Oh, they never showed. They didn't show up. Of course not. So they just got you out of the way. Seems to be so. Why get him out of the way? What would John's presence stop you from doing on the Monday night? What else was happening on that Monday night? Seems like a lot was happening on that Monday That night. was when the medicine may have been tampered with. Because that was when Mrs. Inglethorpe was out giving the speech and she didn't take her medicine. So someone had access to the medicine, could have tampered with it. It's when the bell was broken by mice. And when I say mice, mm. I mean a murderer who broke the bell so that she wouldn't be able to get as much attention when she was having her convulsions. One might even say that it feels like she was meant to die on the Monday night. That makes sense. If she had taken the poison, she would be dead. If she and the bell wouldn't have rung and all the, all of that was mm-hmm. set up with John out of the way, her having the taken the medicine, it's set up for her to die that night. But she doesn't because of, because of happenstance, because she was out mm. and didn't take her medicine as normal. Medicines she takes every day. That was the first attempted murder. But that's also the day they bought the strychnine. Does that, no, does that clash at all? Like, would you be buying strychnine knowing the murder didn't go through? Or it seems like those two things overlapped. By the time someone was buying this, or were they bought it early enough to then add Oh, they it? bought it at about 6pm, so that's okay, pretty early. Okay, so they could have added it to the poison, to the medicine that day. Potentially. Hmm, okay. But that murder failed. So they had to follow up the next day with a new murder. And that's why whoever did the murder burned the will, because they're not a lawyer. They don't know nothing about the law. (laughs) So they saw this new will that said, I leave everything to Alfred, and went, I'm going to burn this. So you're now saying that the murder wasn't about the will? That was just happenstance? I mean, if they were going to do the murder the day before the will changed... Then whoever did that cannot be the same person who sought out, who went out of their way to find and destroy this will. Oh my gosh, there's too much going on. I can't solve this. This is impossible. This is the problem with the murder mysteries because they're designed I told that you I this can't one solve was hard. them. They're designed so that Poirot solves them and shows off how smart he is. I'm not meant to be able to solve this. I'm meant to be shocked when Poirot solves it. What am I, what am I doing here? All right. 
Okay. There is one piece of surprise evidence that is going to come forward. I wait for it. <laughs> I wait around until the surprise evidence arrives. Now, this is yet another one where I have to sort of hand wave exactly what it is because Google does not help me with this, which is a torn land armlet. You can't just say words. <laughs> what is a land armlet? From what I can tell contextually, it seems to be a piece of clothing perchance worn around the upper arm that one wears while working the land. <laughs> All right. And it's green, right? <laughs> and torn. Nothing's right. It's torn. Where did this come from? It was with outdoor servant stuff. We never think about the servants, so we didn't think about what they would wear. It's all communal sort of stuff there. Anyone could have been wearing this. Anyone who works the land. Like Mary. Mary works the land. She helps the gardeners all day. She had the green armband. She went in through Cynthia's room. Why? She wanted to see something. Let me see it. Let me see it. She wanted to see the evidence that Mrs. Inglethorpe had about John's affair. She said, let me see that. Mrs. Inglethorpe said, it's nothing to do with that. But Mary said, well, then you'd let me see it, wouldn't you? Oh. But it was actually the will that she was... It was a piece of paper. We don't yet... We can't yet confirm that. Mm. So she bursts in in the middle of the night because she wants... Bursts in? Well, she sneaks in through Cynthia's room after having drugged both people. She's the one who does the drugging to put them to sleep. She's the one brewing the sleeping potions. She puts Cynthia to sleep. She puts Inglethorpe to sleep. Mrs. Inglethorpe. They are both asleep. She does this to sate her curiosity about the, her marriage that's falling apart. She sneaks in. She is with her candle, which drips the candle grease. She goes in using her key, which can unlock every door, as all keys can. Uh, that's how keys work in this house. She goes into Cynthia's room. Cynthia, sound asleep. She's been drugged. Opens the door to Cynthia from Cynthia's room into Mrs. Inglethorpe's, which, which is she not She probably barred. oiled at some point. Oiled, it's quiet. It was oiled and mm. quiet, wasn't it? Opens it up. Doesn't even need to be that quiet because Mrs. Inglethorpe, her cocoa was sleeping potioned. She's asleep. She, well, she doesn't necessarily... We don't know if she knows that Alfred's not there, so probably True. still worth being a little quiet. She takes a candle, she greases up the floor, <laughs> and, and, and she looks at the dispatch case. There was a missing key that she must have stolen at some point or found or, or, or used... But she couldn't get into the case was locked. It was only later mm. that it was ransacked. It's true. She did not get into that she case. She didn't get into the dispatch she case. She planned on it. She did not get in because what time was this occurring? Well, I'm assuming that evening when everyone is asleep, right? Well, what's been the hole in Mary's story so far? That she woke up early. That she woke up at 4.30 and then just while she was getting dressed in her own room at about 5 o'clock, she heard the clunk of mm. Mrs. Inglethorpe's bedside table falling over and that's what got her attention and yes, took her to the area. but that seems silly. I think it was just a so she was just in the case area. of horrible, horrible timing. Yeah, she was She sneaked out. into the room, Mrs. Inglethorpe started having a poison attack. And she had to just quickly dash out. That's why she has the court armband because she was in a rush to get out quickly to enter in the hallway to be like, I'm here because I heard a, a good noise. Ooh. Can't have been great for her to sneak in there and then suddenly, ten minutes later, have people say, oh my god, this old lady has been poisoned. Yes. So now she didn't do the poisoning because why would she? She was trying to do this whole theft of a But thing. she might think that she did the poisoning for because a moment Because she there. gave the poison to her, wow. but the wrong poison, the sleeping potion. Mm. 
So many poisons, everybody. So many wills, so many poisons. So who gave her the strychnine? I'm sitting on Lawrence, but why? This is still confusing, isn't it? Lawrence appears to, whoever it was who bought the strychnine seems to be the same person who sent John away. Why would you send John away? Maybe you think he's going to stop her taking the strychnine or something. Don't know. And it's the same handwriting. I feel like it was Lawrence because I think Lawrence ordered the beard. He wanted the disguise and then he planted the disguise on John. But why would he be trying to do a murder? Just doesn't like her because he's a dumb younger son? Does he want to get his money? He left his well-paying job and he's been a wannabe poet for a while. Does mm. he have no money? Does he oh, need to get that? Neither he nor John had any money. Does he need to kill Mrs. Inglethorpe so that his trust money is released from her clutches, as is the, the land and the house gets there's some inheritance, he'll get the share of that, just so he can continue his lifestyle of being a poet properly? As long as it didn't automatically all go to Alfred. As long as it didn't automatically all go to Alfred. And then with John being arrested, he who doesn't knows know. what's going to happen to his John, share? Lawrence doesn't know it's all going to go to Alfred because he doesn't understand how wills work. All he knows <laughs> is that Mrs. Inglethorpe's last will was everything goes to John, and presumably that means good things for Lawrence as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe he stopped the last will being mailed. Why wasn't the, first, the, the, the last will that said everything goes to Alfred, why wasn't that mailed? Unclear. Maybe he had a hand in stopping that happening. And he knows, therefore, that the will was never updated. Is that the will that he burned? No, that was we found that will, didn't we? Yeah. The will that was burned was definitely the one just made yesterday or the day before the murder. The day so of when the murder. he saw that will, he went, oh, this must be burned, not realising that it was an irrelevant will like John would. That, the three months old will? Or the one that was just made today. If he saw it. How would he have seen it? When he was just uh, hanging out, walking around, being a wheeler. Mm. Doesn't seem likely. And really, to the best of your knowledge, it doesn't seem like anyone saw that will. Does that mean Mrs. Inglethorpe burnt it? What would that mean? That she didn't want everything to go to Alfred anymore. She wrote it in a huff and then thought, no, 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 I don't need this will, and burnt it. I mean, she acted very quickly after the argument. Had an argument, sat down, wrote the will, got the will signed, went upstairs, and then maybe she went, no, I'm being a bit too hasty and burnt it. Maybe. Or maybe she found out something terrible about Alfred. How would she have found out something terrible about Alfred in the half hour without leaving that boudoir? Did she go into Alfred's room? I mean, he was out. Alfred said he was at Denby's. In the late evening. He said he was out in the afternoon for the point where he couldn't have fought with the wife, yes. Yes, but then he came back. For, yeah, just roughly for for coffee time and no other time was he in the house. Did she see something shocking out of her window? She had the coffee. There was a huge spill at the window. Did she see something go, ah, drop her coffee and then go? Did she see oh. Alfred cheating on her out the window and then he went, she went and burned up that letter? Probably not, because again, we're thinking that he was out all night. It's a bit tough. Yes. It, I, there are these tiny last little steps that I just can't do. Is there something that, in the book, Poirot's just like, oh, and also, you know, sometimes detectives have that thing where they're like, and here's some random extra thing that came out of nowhere. Yeah, pretty you much. Know Does that exist in the book? A little bit. Then I think I need that. <laughs> I think I need whatever deus ex machina Poirot pulls out of his pocket to say, here's the proof that none of you even knew and therefore couldn't guess. All right. Because without it, I can't guess. Let's say this comes from Cynthia. She hasn't had much to do in this at this stage. Say Cynthia comes busting in. Excuse me, 
I think that something might have been overlooked. Now, I didn't know about this. Like, I, I'm not an expert in these things, but it is a little bit my field, this whole poisons thing. So I do my research occasionally. I have found a something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this is. Sure, sure, Cynthia. What have you found? I how to do it. Well, Lawrence told me that he'd been doing a little bit of house snooping. And you know what? I thought, great idea. Yep. I'm going to do the same thing. Good plan. I love it. I found something right after you arrested John. The person who was leave- keeping guard in Mrs. Inglethorpe's room left. Of course. Why wouldn't he? And so before anyone else could get in, I did some snooping. Did you notice? I feel like I heard people say that something was stolen, the dispatch case was broken into and stuff like that, and the room was left in a bit of disarray. Should I have done more of a search then? Oh, absolutely not, because cool. then you would have broken everything wide open in a second. Okay, that's interesting. But what could Poirot I have Poirot doesn't notice until the very end either. Good. I'm so glad. Well, above the fireplace mantle, yep. there are some spill vases, they're called. You can't yeah. keep inventing things, 1910s. Seems to be they're like a combination of where you stick pokers in or where just you put gross fireplace grit that you haven't thrown out yet. Sure. And you stick it in there. So I looked in those and I found just some shredded paper. Not unusual for fireplace grit. No. But you know what? Just on a hunch. I tried what to see if they were ripped up things. <laughs> Dearest Evelyn, you will be anxious at hearing nothing. It is all right, only it will be tonight instead of last night. You understand. There's a good time coming once the old woman is dead and out of the way. No one can possibly bring home the crime to me. That idea of yours about the bromides was a stroke of genius, but we must be very circumspect. A false step, and it does not continue. Okay, so this is Alfred. So Cynthia shows you that, and she goes, Idea about bromides, I grabbed one of my textbooks and I looked this up to find out if there was something. And this time, she shows you a page from a textbook. This is absurd, everybody. Strychnine sulfur, GUR1, potass bromide, 3VI, aqua add, 3VIII, Fiat Mistura. It's my favourite car, the Fiat Mistura. Mm. This solution deposits in a few hours the greater part of the strychnine salt as an insoluble bromide in transparent crystals. A lady in England lost her life by taking a similar mixture. The precipitated strychnine collected at the bottom and in taking the last dose, she swallowed nearly all of it. So you, 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 you mess with the strychnine salt... So that the final one that she By takes... By adding bromide to it. You add bromide, which was what went missing, that she didn't have the last couple of days. So they took her bromide solution, they put it into the strychnine, and it created a big well of poison at now, the bottom. they probably did that ages ago, right at the start. And so he's been waiting for this final one. That's why... Hold on. Is this the medicine that she skipped a day off? Yes. Because she was out? That's why he was out. That's why Alfred had such an indelible alibi, because he thought that was the night she was going to die. Everything was set up for that night. And then when it didn't work, what, they had to pivot? Who did the actual murder? That was the murder that was planned. No, she took that on the last night, didn't she? Yeah. That was it. Yeah, she didn't throw out the medicine. She took the medicine the day after, and that's what killed her. And that's why he suddenly was like, better go out and see Denby, because he needed a new alibi for that day. So it was Alfred. Uh, uh, 
Alfred, Alfred, Alfred. Now, is Alfred not a second cousin? And is actually her out of town, her, her, her boyfriend? No, he's just absolutely a cousin. They're family. Oh, yeah, people said my dearest Evelyn to their cousins back then, didn't they, <laughs> the weirdos? Bloody 1910s. Does that mean we, we get in the patrol cars and we head over to Alfred's house? Yeah, they're a little bit more than that. There's still just a little bit more fine-tuning that we can do to this. But he didn't get... So what was all the fake strychnine and the... And the... Why was that indeed? Why would you get a fake out? Was it a second murder attempt? Or did someone really need to kill a dog? <laughs> no, not at all. Well, first of all, we've got to figure out who was it who was dressed up as Alfred. Lawrence. Evie. Let's say it was John and you wanted to disguise yourself as John. Person who looks pretty normal. Who would be the best person to look roughly like John? Lawrence. Why? Because they're brothers. So Evie looks like Alfred because she's his second cousin. They've probably got a little bit of resemblance going. It's probably just that hint So did easier. she see that... Did Evie know that, that what's her name didn't take the final to dosage? Tell me about the signature again for that poison. The signature look it was the same as the as the note that was sent to John to send mm -hmm. him away. And what did we what did the handwriting analysts say that it looked like? A little bit like John's, but not quite. It looked like if John were trying to disguise his handwriting to look like someone else's a little bit. What if it was the other way? Someone else trying to disguise their handwriting to look like John. You're right. That makes so much sense that you could do that backwards. So it's someone pr pretending like oh, I'm John, and then they put all the stuff in John's. To try and frame John. But not only that, there is a fun little extra thing. Why did Alfred not give his alibi? It is odd that his alibi was at the same place that John's mistress was, apparently. Who said that Alfred was totally having an affair with Mrs. Rex? Evie. Evie said that. So Evie set up this alibi. They were totally making it up as a reason that he would be there and a reason that he would keep quiet. But he did go there totally innocently on the Monday evening just so that he could have an easy way to fight it. If he got arrested, he could then pop up and say, nope, can't arrest me. Just for funsies, throwing in the idea of double jeopardy. Why double jeopardy? He was hoping to get arrested for the murder of Mrs. Inglethorpe on the Tuesday night for having the terrible strychnine-buying fakery on Monday. Oh. He was hoping that would be pinned on him, he would get arrested, and then he would be able to say, ha-ha, it can't have been me, I have an alibi for Monday night when that poison was being bought. He would have to get released, the police in shame, get... unable to be arrested again. And that's why Poirot said, did Poirot know the whole time? And that's why he said, don't arrest him, because I haven't Poirot solved it yet? absolutely said, don't arrest him, and if you read between the lines, he even says, I don't want him arrested right now. Poirot, you're better than me. You're a smarter detective than me, Poirot. <laughs> and last little things, just to neaten things up. What about these coffee cups? <laughs> Stop asking me questions I don't have the answers to. <laughs> what about the coffee cups? Well, like Cynthia's coffee cup. Someone knew that there were drugs going on in that. Yeah. Who was that? Mary? Yeah. So it makes sense. She, at the time, went, oh my God, I might have accidentally killed a woman. Mm. Let's hide evidence of that. Crushed one cup, hid the other. Why would she crush that cup? Because she thought she'd put, no, she thought the poison was in the- Cocoa, in which cocoa. it absolutely was. Salt on the tray. That's where she put her sleeping yes. powders. So why did she crush the other coffee cup? Maybe Alfred did? She didn't. Who did? Lawrence did. 
because he happened to spot that the door was not bolted at that moment when the death was happening. And he thought it was Cynthia that had done it because he had seen that she had strychnine in her cabinet at work oh. and everything like that. And he was he trying to protect strychnine. Very much in love with Cynthia. Oh, they can. No, wait, hold on. Let me just double check. Did either of them do any crimes? Yeah, they can go live happily ever after together. And that is exactly how Mysterious Affair at Styles ends. Oh, Lawrence and Cynthia. We're done. I told you it okay. got complicated. That got very complicated, but. <laughs> Let me, okay, so here's, all right, we're done, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed it. Did you solve it? Did you solve it yourself? Have you been sending us emails and solving it the yourself? The wills and who so. took the coffee cup upstairs. I have read this book so many times now. I still don't get it. I still don't know what a green land omelette is. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're done. We're doing a bit of post-show discussion here. I want to talk about the difference between this compared to doing a murder mystery that you have written. Okay. Because I think in some ways this was... I don't want, no, I don't want to say better. It's I think in some fine. ways it was, no, no, because I don't actually want to say better. Because I think in some ways it was easier. It has a structure. I it's am more directed. A story. It, but it's more directed in, in terms of, and this is the thing we were talking about a little bit off, off recording. What is interesting is in this, compared to ones that you have written, the characters themselves have a lot more agency to make suggestions, to tell me gossip, yeah. to come up with it, right? And to have their own story. Whereas in mine, I don't know what to do beyond having everyone be cagey yes, because I'll be accidentally blurt out something too important. And because of that, there are certain strands that don't make any sense to ask about mm. in a murder mystery because you're trying to solve a murder, but they are in, inherent. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about the this. beard package. Yeah, what was up with the beard package? Oh, yeah, Evie just is in the house a lot and she knew that yeah. Lawrence wasn't, so she just nabbed it. Yeah, fair. <laughs> But uh, so we have these options to be like, I can figure out that like, so, like if I was doing this investigation, right, mm -hmm. if this was one you had written, the chances of me going, and um, let me just ask, is there uh, perhaps any reason you may have skipped a day's worth of one of your medicines? Mm. I would never say that, right? But, it would and, never come up. I would need a character to say to me, by the way, here's a thing that happened. Now, I had to mess with that all the time in this one. That's not a thing that doing an Agatha Christie is good at because Poirot does that all the time. Oh, that's true. Constantly he is coming up with little things. This missing teacup thing, that was entirely brought up by him. The fact that a key was lost and a spare key was being used, entirely suggested by him. Mm, but that's so impossible, right? So oh, having speaking a bit more... of, do you remember we got a letter? There was a letter at the start that Mrs. Inglethorpe had written oh, yes. to Evie that night. Let's take a look at that letter again because this is just another thing that comes up that... Well, take a look at this letter. Yep. So this seems weird. She wrote this on the night that she just discovered that Evie and Alfred were trying to kill her. Oh, yeah. Was that written by Evie as well? So she found, this, she found that uh, I'm going to kill her letter in Alfred's desk. Hmm. And so, no, she totally wrote a letter that night yelling at Evie saying, what the hell? This is not that letter. <laughs> sure. Look at the date. July 17th. Does it look weird to you? Did somebody change the date? They put a one next to that yeah. set. That is so wild. It does look like someone's putting in the, put yep. in the one. And it did say she was fired 10 days ago, mm -hmm. specifically 10 days. Oh, that's yep. silly. That's wild. So Emily had had a change of heart back then, but today she had realized not so much. Maybe she shouldn't. Um, so, uh, dear Evelyn, screw you. D disregard my last letter. <laughs> Lovely. But so here's the thing, right? Like, 
I, I think that was helpful. I think that's nice. But also it meant that you basically, like if I did feel like I had less agency, right? Because I was following the story, yeah. obviously. So you don't want too much of that. But I think it is an important thing because people like to tell you things. People want to discuss them. I think it was also nice that I had mm -hmm. some stuff happening through Hastings' eyes before the murder started. Yes. Because that's an easy non- uh, stressful or non like you don't have to be suspicious of what Hastings exactly. is exactly and there's no stakes yet as to like it's just like here's some background information mm. so I think either being able to play through that background information or again having someone like using the Simba phone calls to say here's a recount mm. of the last couple of days exactly you know? oh and here's so a statement we got mm. from from someone we we uh, we asked about the last couple of days I like that I think that's a nice way to get into it because um, it gives me, because because it, it allows questions and issues to come up that feel like it would be wild to ask about those during a murder Absolutely. investigation. On the other hand, this is also clearly designed so that the readers don't solve it. Right? It's designed so <laughs> readers don't get the answer, so that Poirot can give you the answer, and you're not gonna, you know, like that's part of the point. And that made the ending much harder or much more arbitrary or waiting for some piece of evidence to pop out of Absolutely. nowhere. Like, yeah, that letter comes up the, hey, Evelyn, it's okay. She's still going to die. That comes up the instant before Poirot says, I give you your murderer. Exactly. So I can't make that conclusion because Poirot made that conclusion with a letter yeah. I hadn't read. Yeah. So let's just go through one more, a couple of things just to clarify what happened in the bedroom, supposedly. You remember there was a flippy table. A dumb table was yeah, in there. Yeah, that was right. So supposedly Mrs. Inglethorpe put down her coffee cup on that, flipped her coffee onto the carpet, went, oh no, now I have no coffee. Better drink my cocoa right now instead of later when I usually would. How pointless. <laughs> and then while you were downstairs doing the interviews, Alfred had realized at some point that his note saying, I'm going to kill her, had been missing. He went, oh, she must have found it. Oh no, it must be in her important stuff. Ran upstairs, broke open the lock, stole it. You were already crawling through the house. People were everywhere. He mm. did not have an opportunity to leave, so he just, he just ripped, ripped it up it and put, put them in vases in and ran. Yeah, wonderful. Great. Yeah. Good on you, Alfred. Yeah, all quite something. So, yeah, so, like, I like, I think the biggest takeaway is you wouldn't change anything else about how you are designing mysteries because, you, honestly, in terms of solvability, your design is a lot better, right? Because that's the point. It's designed to be solved as opposed to this, which is designed to be read, right? So in terms of that, yours are much better, but I do like having a little bit more character agency that they might come up and tell me something. Maybe it maybe mm -hmm. they come up and tell me a lie about somebody else to hide to be. And then when I find evidence that it's a lie, that gives me extra motive about against them. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, they come up to say like, oh, I heard this, that, that. because I just find it hard to ask those things to, to, to kind of make this information come out of the ether because... You know, you're waiting for me to ask about someone's marital problems because you know they have marital problems. But it is just as likely you're ask, you're waiting for me to ask about their pets because yeah. their pets are really interesting. They they're a shower and they show their pets. But I've got no idea, so I end up asking them about their tennis, and you know, and that has nothing to do with anything. And then you look at me like, why would you ask about tennis? Like, well, I don't know. <laughs> why would I ask about the marriage? <laughs> you know, so so I think because I for me coming in, it's like I have the world to ask about. So I end up just ignoring the world and asking about the murder. Yeah. And I think having characters be more forthcoming with their own... And I think in the last murder, you had a bit more of this with the hairdresser. And you also have the trickiness of 
wanting to have characters be forthcoming only about relevant information because otherwise you're just stuffing it full of red herrings and that's annoying. True. But it can't be like a two-minute mysteries where every single word that they have said is of absolute pertinence and mm. a single word out of place means they're guilty. And that's why I think And they the... can't just volunteer information for no reason like in those ones. True. And that's why I think the, the intro monologue that we got from Hastings that style of thing mm. is good because it's like, it makes sense to me. Like, here's this person, here's their job. Here's this person, here's their job. Here's this person, here's what they do. Da 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 da. Look at this person. I think they don't like each other. But it's, there's so much that I'm not going to be like, every single thing here is a big clue that is my next step. It's like, okay, now I have a grounding. So that later on, it can be like, you can be like, wait, what was his job? And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. He's a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, I think just having a bit more of the couple days leading up to it or things like that. I think having this, uh, having the, Poirot-Hastings relationship, the Holmes-Watson relationship could be more helpful for this because from my point of view anyway, the thing that I tend to suck at is blustering my way through interviews with the witnesses, with the criminals or Mm. what do you call them? Suspects. And I can't improvise that sort of thing very well. So when you ask them questions directly, even in this one, on the rare occasion that you are asking people questions directly, I struggle to answer that. So having an intermediary character so you don't actually have to interview the suspects that much. Yeah, I think it's kind nice. of helps me. So who's my who's my Watson? Who's my Hastings? We need It's an... me. Yeah, no, no, no. But what's their name? Oh. Who are they? We need to add a real human character when Detective Bill comes back <laughs> in the next mystery. Who's it gonna be? It's Patrick it Johnny... Copus, isn't it? Is it Patrick Copus? <laughs> Is it Johnny Cools? Ah, oh, everyone wants it to be Johnny Cools. Do we bring back Johnny Cools? We'll, we'll find out. We'll have to find out. Vote now. Send us an email with who you think uh, my replacement should be. Maybe we should ask replacement? the Replacement? Not my replacement. My, maybe we should ask the patrons and be like, hey, patrons, who would be a fun... And then, you know, if you want a, a say, you should sign up for the Patreon. Yeah, uh, Patreon donors have a chance to have their names go into my mystery. Maybe so we maybe, need to pick a patron. The, yeah, maybe it'll be the ultimate dice pool of patrons who want their name in for Sold This Murder. One of them gets to be Patrick the Hastings. <laughs> Patrick, you're out. Um, well, wonderful. That was great. I loved that. It was much harder at the end, but much easier at the start. So mm. if we can f- mix your endings with these beginnings, <laughs> we'll be set. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this was a fun little, not an experiment. We've done this before, but not with a full with short novel, only short stories. Oh, yeah, it was brutal. So it was, it was quite hard. hard. Short stories a bit easier. I definitely didn't get it perfect. Um, this book is... It's not hard to translate. It's not like I'm reading something from the 1700s here, but it does have some things. There's one passage that I am still reading and not understanding at all, if I can find it. Sure. So this is back when they find the fake beard upstairs. And they come back downstairs to talk to Dorcas about it, because she's the one who pointed them in that direction. And she tells them, oh, yep, here's all these details about the dress-up nights that used to happen. Ha, 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 ha. And Poirot uh, says, these evenings must have been great fun. I suppose Mr. Lawrence wore that fine black beard in the chest upstairs when he was playing this character. Yeah, there's too much racism in this page for me to go into details. And she says, he did have a beard, sir, replied Dorcas, smiling. And well, I know it, for he borrowed two skeins of my black wool to make it with. And I'm sure it looked wonderfully natural at a distance. I didn't know as there was a beard up there at all. It must have been got quite lately, I think. There was a red wig, I know, but nothing else in the way of hair. Okay. And then they say, ah, so she didn't even know that beard was up there. 
So she says he did make a beard out of wool, but that's not the beard that's upstairs. I didn't think there was a beard but, upstairs. But, it must have been how, got quite lately. But how did what? Very strange. Those lines don't quite follow on from yeah, each other. Strange. So I was confused saying, oh, yep, he definitely wore a beard. I didn't know there was a beard upstairs. Yeah, I guess a different beard but made of wool. All she says is, oh, go check out that ca- that chest upstairs. Very she has strange. not looked in it recently either. No, it's so strange. I read that a lot and I still don't get it. Yeah. But yes. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we will. Now, there is another. You've got another mystery written. Yes. But we haven't recorded it obviously yes. so look again there'll be a small gap probably but not my problem not, definitely not as long as the last one uh because i'm enjoying this i want to keep getting into it i do 2020 2022 it's the year that we're going to be doing a whole bunch of these yeah all right um i hope you enjoyed that we'll, we'll, we'll endeavor to be more regular this year with solve this murder uh if you're looking for other stuff that you might enjoy check out escape this podcast it's uh, sort of our, f- our original show um and that has been very regular every week if you like listening to mysteries and puzzles Listen to us host guests solving escape rooms done in an audio format. Or check out our Twitch stream. More, more likely, check out the YouTube archive of our Twitch stream yes. where we have played through all of the Nancy Drew mystery video yeah, games, many like, of which are murder mysteries. If you like us trying to solve mysteries, you uh, head to uh, twitch.tv slash playthisgame underscore live. That's our Twitch channel. You can catch us when we do new mysteries and new games and new puzzles. But also... There's a link to the YouTube archive where we've played every single Nancy Drew. So if you like us solving murder mysteries, that is a wonderful place to start. Or even better, check out our recent playthrough of the game Contradiction, which is a FMV, a full motion video murder mystery that Danny and I solved together. It's fantastic. That's a lovely place to check out. If you want even more and you want to support the network and support the shows that we make. The network um, being the two of us. uh, Yeah, we are the network. It's (laughs) Danny and Bill. That's the network. We do all the networking. You can go to our Patreon. There's a link in the show notes. It's patreon.com slash consume this media. And you can get your name to appear in an Escape This Podcast episode or a Solve This Murder episode. Yeah, sorry I didn't go out future. of my way to replace no, we uh, didn't. Mysterious Affair is... Styles characters' names with no, Patreon people. That would have been for, weird. That's for our next mystery. You can also get all the bonus episodes at $5 donations. That's including... There's playtest audio for Escape This Podcast. But for Solve This Murder, there's a whole series of two-minute mysteries which we try and read and figure out and solve these tiny little murder mysteries that are often solved in the most silly ways. Um, And there's our older other um, public domain murder mysteries that have been solved uh, on the Patreon, which I don't think have all been released publicly yet. Um, And a whole bunch of other things. For $10, there's badges and and various other things. But it's a lovely way to support us and to... uh, Make sure we can keep making fun shows and we're going to be trying to do more Solve This Murder this year and not let it linger as much between mysteries. So we'll see you again hopefully quite soon. Um, And, yeah, I think that's, you know, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Solve This Murder is created by Bill Sunderland and Danny Siller as part of the Consume This Media Network. To find out more about all of our shows, you can head to consumethismedia.com. A special thank you to Jared, Devon and Witt from the podcast Advanced Sagebrush and Shootouts for creating our theme music. And thanks to all of you for listening. <laughs>